Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So your newsletter said that the message was called The Gift tonight. And, and it is, it's still called the gift. But when I started preparing it, I was thinking I changed it up just a little bit. I named it the gift of Jesus. And the reason why I did, when I begin to think about this, I think about how our God is a generous giver. He's a giver of gifts. In Romans chapter 12, he gave us the ministry gifts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he gave us the gifts of the Spirit. In, in Ephesians chapter 4, he gave us gifts. The, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, and the pastor, and the teacher, the five-fold ministry, just to mention a few. But tonight, we celebrate the greatest gift, the greatest gift that we could ever receive And that's Jesus Christ, our Lord. And 700 years before his birth, the prophet Isaiah, led by the Holy Spirit, inspired by him. And he spoke these words in Isaiah 9, 6. He says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a gift is given. See, God's a giver. And he said, and the government will be on his shoulder. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Hallelujah. Everlasting Father. I'm sorry. Mighty God. Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. So tonight, when I was reading this scripture, I just want to make three quick points. And, and, and it's, and it's wrapped around the fact that Jesus is a gift. He's a gift to everyone. You know, when someone's going to give you a gift, what do you have to do? You have to receive it. You have to say, yes, I'll receive that gift. And this is the greatest gift. Jesus was given to us as a gift. And some of you might not think about that. But on Christmas, usually we think about him being the gift. But do you know that he's called a gift over 40 times in just the New Testament? He's called a gift. The Bible says this in, in, in first Timothy, where's that at? In second Corinthians, second Corinthians chapter nine and verse 15. I'm sorry. It says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Paul's talking about Jesus and, and he, even Paul, he can't find any words to describe the amazing gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may I suggest this to you, that after we've been in heaven for 10,000 years, we'll still be learning about Jesus. Hallelujah. And we're we'll, we'll just learning more about this, this incredible gift that we have, that we received. It's a, and we'll marvel at the magnitude of God's grace for the gift of Jesus Christ. But yet... I mean, he's our savior. He came, he, he, he helped, he released us from our sins. But the gospel is so simple that it's written in a way that any of us, anyone can understand about this gift. And it starts always, I'll go back to this, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There he goes again, he's giving. He's giving his son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. His one and only son. And he gave it to us. He gave him to us. Jesus is a gift. He is a gift from God. Amen. And then the other point I wanted to make this evening, 
is this, that Jesus came to lift our burden. The scripture says that the government will be on his shoulder and that he'll be a universal and eternal king. That he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Paul put it this way. In a, I'm sorry, in Philippians 2.10, when I was practicing this, I kept saying Ephesians, but it's, it's Philippians 2.10. He says this, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. Why? Because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And it's, he's not just the king in this, this life. He's going to reign eternally. Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And just two scriptures back in Isaiah 9, 4, it says this, for you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. See, Jesus never puts a burden on anybody. What he does is he lifts us up. He lifts us up because he cares for us. And I mentioned it a while ago, but it, I'm going to mention it again. I believe people came into the, the room tonight and you could be carrying something. You could be carrying a burden with you. But I want you to know that there's a God who cares for you. And he gave his son, Jesus Christ, who loves you and wants to be that burden bearer for you. One of the four faces of God in Ezekiel and in Revelation is the face of a calf. And it shows that Jesus is a burden bearer, that he bears our sins, but he also bears our sickness. Jesus came to bear our burdens. And he's, not, he's a loving God, but he's, he also came to bear our burdens. And the third point is this, is that Jesus, he came to meet our deepest need. What do we need? We needed a Savior. And so what does this include that we have to be delivered? We have to be delivered from our sinful nature because we could never deliver ourselves. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And, and he is our deliverer. Hallelujah. He's a gift from God and he's a burden bearer. And, and he's also, he, he is, he came to save us from our sins. And then Isaiah, in this same scripture, he talks about four names that he called, that he named Jesus. And the first one is this, that he's a wonderful counselor. And, you know, when you read it in the English, it, 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 it fails us somewhat. Because in the Greek, or I'm sorry, in the Hebrew, it was never meant, he was never meant to be called a counselor. He was meant to be called this in the scripture, that he would be a source of wisdom. The apostle John, he wrote this in, in John chapter one, and he said this, so the world became the word, I'm sorry, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. The Bible says that he became human. Hallelujah. And that, and that word in this scripture, word is the word logos. And that's where we get our word logic. See, the Greeks believe this, that underneath all the universe, that, that there was a, um, there was a rationale or a logic or there was a reason for our being. And it's called logos. And so when John, he was thinking of this, when he said this, that Jesus, this gift from God 
is wisdom in personified. Wisdom in the form of a man. And that he is the rationale, that he's the logic, and he's the reason for our existence. And he's not just here to help us to understand this world. He is the wisdom that we need. And without him, we'll never know why we're here. And we'll, without him, we'll never know what our life is all about. Jesus is the logic of existence, of our existence. And he's also called this, he's called a, a mighty God. And so I looked this up in the Greek, and it means like a warrior God. He's tough. He's a fighter. And then I found these other words or these other names of God. And, then, and so I just want to share them with you. The first one is he is the champion of champions. When I, when I read this, did, do you remember a few years ago? Well, maybe the, more than a few years ago, Carmen had this, this one song, and it was called The Champion. Who remembers that? I mean, that was so good. I remember. And, and it looked like he was not going to win. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden he rose up and he defeated the devil and all of his cohorts. He did. But he's the champion of champions. Another way he described him was that he was our hero. Amen. Some of you guys, John Elway, still your hero. But God's our hero. Okay. He is the overcomer. He's our knight in shining armor. And he's the one who comes to rescue. He is invincible. And he will never be defeated. He is a mighty God. He's a wonderful counselor. And he's a mighty God. And then the next one is he's an everlasting father. He's a wonderful father. Now some of you... May grew up, may have grew, grown up with a uh, godly and a good father. Others, that's not what happened in your life. And I believe each one of us have our own, our own probably definition of what a good father is. But a good father, let me say this. I don't think he would be indifferent toward you, that he would care about you. And Jesus cares about you. Amen. And when you, when you messed up, see, a good father knows your weakness and a good father never turns his back on you. But I believe there's some people that, that they, they think this, that, that God, when trouble starts, God turns his back on us. And then there's other people who believe this, that, that, you know, they love, God loves that person more than he loves me. But that's not true. We have a loving God that cares about you. He knows about your weaknesses, and he loves you anyway. Amen. You know, I'm in the natural, I'm a father. And, and, and when, when one of our kids started, if they were getting off course, I didn't turn my back on them because I'm their father. Neither would their mother. If you're a parent, you would never turn your back on your kids. And the fact is that that when your kids are struggling, they need you more. And so that's that's you you can't tell your kids, you know what, you can come back around when you straighten up. But that's not how God sees it. See, God is a loving father. He's an everlasting father. 
And he will always, he'll, he'll go the extra mile. We talked about it last week in the story of the prodigal where, where the, the, the father was on the front porch. I made that up, but he's on the front porch and he was looking and he saw this, he saw this guy coming and he says, wow, that looks like my son. He looks a little bit different. He looks a little rough, but I believe that's him. He walks like him. And then he, what did he do? He ran to him. He's an everlasting father. Hallelujah. The Bible says in James 4 that when we, when we go before him, when we move toward God, that he comes to us. Amen. Because he is an everlasting father. He's a loving father. And the Bible says in Psalm 103 verses 13 and 14, it says that the father pities, or actually that word pity is loves, as the Father loves his children, so the Lord loves those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. What is he saying in this scripture? I think he's saying this, that he knows our weaknesses. He knows how each one of us are wired. He knows what pushes our button. He knows what ticks us off, or he knows what, how different things affect us. But he loves us anyway. That's what's so amazing about God. Everyone in this room is so different. We have four sons, and they're all so different. They're all so different. But you know what? We all love them the same. And God has millions and millions or billions of of kids, and he knows every one of us. He knows all about us. Amen. Praise the Lord. He is an everlasting father. And the last one is this. He's called the Prince of Peace, and he's the Prince of Shalom. And, and you know, when we think of peace, we think of the absence of conflict, that we'd live in this world and there'd never be a hassle, that everybody would always be happy with each other's. But in the Hebrew, uh, it didn't mean that the absence of something. It meant, it meant the presence of something. Not the absence of a conflict, but it meant the presence of God. So when the presence of God is on us, then he changes everything. God, he gives us favor. He walks before us. He leads us. He guides us. He defends us. And he's with us. And it changes your life. When you have God, this peace on the inside of you, it changes every aspect of your life. It changes your family. It changes your job. It changes all the relationships that you have. It changes everything about you. And it all starts, it all starts when, when we actually have peace with God. When we decide, we come to the place to where I want to have peace with God. I always remember when I did. <clears throat> I remember I was in a service, and 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 uh, Rhonda was already saved, and this man was just giving a testimony, and 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 I was just there, and I was just listening to him. Him, he was just giving his testimony, and this guy had been a thug, man. He was part of the mafia and all this, and he was giving his testimony. And I just begin to, first I got tears in my eyes, then I got choked up, and then I, after a while I was just kind of blubbering. And it was, 
And I just thought, what is up with me? But it was the Holy Spirit. And and after that service was over, I didn't do anything. And I told my wife, said, what was that all about? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> it was, I just felt something. And, and, and it was almost like, I don't think I was sad, but I was just being moved. And so she said, well, why didn't, and he gave an invitation. And I just sat through the invitation. Hadn't been in church much or any. So, but the next week I knew what to do. And when I heard that, I knew it was coming. And 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 then I don't know if you remember how they, they used to do this. They used to say, I know God's dealing with somebody today, and you need to ask Jesus in your heart. So every head bowed and every eye closed. So I was like this. I put my head down. And and he said, So if that's you, would you raise your hand? So I raised my head with my eyes closed and my head bowed. And 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 so he said, So if that's you. Would you come forward? So I was trying to feel my way. No, actually, I didn't do that part. I made that part up. But, but, but I opened my eyes and all I could see was the pastor in the front. And so I began to walk toward him and that same feeling came on me. So I got choked up again and I began to have tears in my eyes. And I just knew that the altar would be full. I just knew it. And I was the only one. <laughs> yeah, I'm just always, when I think of this story, I remember that, that, that there's joy in the presence of, of God when one person comes to the Lord. Amen. And I know there's different takes on that joy in the presence of the Lord. And so, but I was there and I received Jesus that day. <laughs> You know, it changed everything. You know what it did? It, when you receive Jesus, it changes you from the inside. And, and, and it just affects everything in your life. And you know, he's still working on me all these years later. later 43 years later, he's still working on me because I still need work. But the, the difference is between now and then is I had an emptiness on the inside of me. What am I leading to? The Bible says this. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new.